Backs him down. Giannis into the lane. Giannis spinning. Fading shot. Up. Good for Giannis at the buzzer. Bucks win it. Welcome to Locked on Bucks. I'm your host, Kane Pippen, here on a Tuesday. Writing solo for this episode, but that's okay because there is a bunch of news around the NBA. And as always, it all ties back into the Bucks. I thought it would be interesting to start with a little bit of feedback we got from yesterday's episode. I think, let me say, let me say I think it was expected feedback in regards to any time you bring up the sentence what can LeBron, uh, what can Giannis learn from LeBron going back to the NBA Finals? I think the easy answer comes from a lot of people before they even listen to the episode. They say, well, get a second star or leave Milwaukee. And some of that makes sense, um, obviously, that people would react that way. But uh, I do think that it is interesting to note the second star stuff. I know we've spoke a lot over the past few weeks about uh, different options the Bucks could have in regards to potentially upgrading the point guard spot, making different moves, freeing up some money to bring in some different uh, types of talent. We know they've had great success, particularly on the defensive end with Eric Bledsoe and Brooke Lopez. But is that a solution? Is that mix of players going to be a group that can bring you success in the playoffs? So far, it hasn't. I just thought it was interesting because this was something that I saw playing out during the Miami series with Boston. And first of all, let me just say, Frank is going to be back tomorrow. Uh, I did send him a message and say, uh, if if you feel like talking about pizza, if you feel like talking about Rocky Rococo's and arguably the greatest day in your life yesterday, uh, then I'm happy to do so. But he's going to be back tomorrow. But this series against the Celtics uh, for Miami, they had another difficult defensive assignment on the wing with Jason Tatum. And Jason Tatum... Had his ups and downs during this series. We know he had a really poor first half in game four. But overall, his stats for the series, 26.5 points, 9.8 rebounds, 6.3 assists, shooting splits of 41, 30, and 88 for Tatum. If you look at Chris Middleton, the Bucks number two, he averaged 25.6 points. So uh, very similar within a point on the scoring average there, despite the fact he played three fewer minutes per game. Shooting splits of 41, again, same as Tatum, 33%. So he had a bump up from the three-point line and 93% from the free-throw line. He also added six rebounds and seven assists. So it's just interesting to look at the narrative and, and hear people, not necessarily listeners to this podcast or people that interact with Frank and myself with the show, but just in general, the way that people talk about the series that Tatum had and talk about Tatum in general, as a rising superstar, as a guy that people talk about being an MVP caliber talent in the coming years. Uh, He basically had the exact same series as Chris Middleton did. We know Middleton had to carry uh, shoulder the brunt of the load when Giannis went down with his ankle injury. So it's just interesting to me when people talk about the Bucs needing an all-star second player. It also makes me think about the Clippers, and we're going to talk about Doc Rivers and the Clippers and Bud in a little bit here. And then also 
we are going to move on to some Victor Oladipo talk before I wrap this up today. But when people think about the Clippers, they talk about everything that LA gave up for Paul George. We know now the way that that panned out didn't go well. Didn't go well with Paul George as your second option. Now, I think if anyone at the start of the season said, would you swap Chris Milton for Paul George in this Bucks team? I would suggest that a high percentage of people would have said, yes, I would have done that. Paul George, a multiple time all-star, a guy that was in MVP contention during the 2018-19 season before shoulder injuries took him down. It's just fascinating to sit back because the easy response is get a, get a superstar number two and you can win the title. But we've seen that uh, it, it hasn't quite worked. We know that Miami are in the NBA finals. Who's their superstar number two? Who's their superstar number one? They've done it with coaching. They've done it with a bunch of guys that have stepped up and contributed in the playoffs. The Bucs haven't had that in the past. The Lakers are obviously the exception to the rule because we know, I mean, look, Anthony Davis and LeBron James are arguably two top five players. But as far as this season goes, it's hard for me to look at this Bucs team and say that they should have had a different number two on this team. When you look around at the other results that we've seen, particularly in the East, and I think that that is where the focus should be moving forward is, again, I think that Giannis and Chris Milton, as a one number one option, a number two option potentially, or hopefully you can bring in that 2A or 2B to sit with Chris Milton, I think, that, I think you can win the title with that. I do. My opinion hasn't changed from watching this postseason. Again, for those that have listened to the podcast, they will know that my concerns largely have been surrounding the other guys. And the fact that too much was expected of Giannis and Chris Milton, particularly on the offensive end. So uh, that was just in response to some of the feedback we had to yesterday's show. And those numbers between Tatum and Milton, they're interesting. They're fascinating. It's fascinating to look at that. And you wouldn't know that those two had similar series against Miami if you listen to a lot of the outside noise and the way people talk about Tatum compared to the way they talk about Chris Milton. And Jason Tatum's not new to the playoff scene. He might only be 23 years old, but uh, that's a guy... He's been in the postseason a number of times now. He's had that experience. And, uh, you know, while he had a reasonable series, basically identical to Chris Milton uh, right there. So before we move on to the Doc Rivers stuff, I do want to quickly speak about our friends over at rockauto.com. We know that is, that is the family business that's been serving auto parts customers for over 20 years. They have everything from engine control modules and brake parts to tail lamps, motor oil, and even new carpet, whether it's for your classic or your daily driver, get everything you need in a few easy clicks delivered directly to your door. The rockauto.com catalog is unique and remarkably easy to navigate. Quickly see all the parts available for your vehicle and choose the brand, specifications, and prices you prefer. Best of all, those prices are always reliably low and the same for the professionals as they are for the do-it-yourselfers. Just go to rockauto.com right now, see all the parts available for your car or truck right locked on, in the How Did You Hear About Us box. That's locked on in the How Did You Hear About Us box. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need, rockauto.com. And now on to our friends over at DoorDash. I said I used DoorDash the other night, and I did. And I was tweeting about Comet Cafe today. Comet Cafe was a place that I regularly used DoorDash for, but I also liked going into the Comet. Now, it's closed down now. Very sad with Comet Cafe, but... Uh, you know, DoorDash definitely took a lot of uh, my service uh, when I was back in Milwaukee earlier in the year through winter in particular when it was too cold to get outside. And I know you guys are heading into winter, particularly uh, the listeners that are in 
Wisconsin. DoorDash is the app that brings you food you're craving right now, right to your door. With over 300,000 partners in the US, Puerto Rico, Canada, and Australia, you can support your local go-tos or choose your favorite national restaurants like Chipotle, Wendy's, and the Cheesecake Factory. DoorDash deliveries are now contactless to keep the communities we live in safe. Right now, our listeners can get $5 off and zero delivery fees on their first order of $15 or more when you download the DoorDash app and enter code LOCKEDONNBA. That's $5 off and zero delivery fees on your first order when you download the DoorDash app in the App Store and enter code LOCKEDONNBA. Don't forget, it's code LOCKEDONNBA for $5 off your first order with DoorDash. I was just talking about Comet Cafe in that DoorDash ad read, and I, I tweeted this story out today. It one of the one of the you know the brutal things of this year, and particularly the pandemic, has been restaurants and bars, and a lot of a lot of the hospitality industry industry has been struggling. There's no doubt about that. I love Comet Cafe, and I tweeted this story out. But I remember a few years ago. I don't know if the listeners who will remember this game. I believe it was against the Philadelphia 76ers. It was on Australia Day going back a few years ago and they had the Delhi bobbleheads. And I don't know how this happened, but I ended up with a few of these bobbleheads. And I was at Comic Cafe pretty regularly. This was back in the days when I was just traveling uh, from Australia back to Milwaukee as a fan, going to a bunch of games and then uh, heading back home. And so I had this extra Delhi bobblehead. And they've got, for those that have been to Comic Cafe, they've got a bunch of bobbleheads behind the bar. So I gave them this Delhi bobblehead. And then I came back the next year, I think it was, and it was broken. I don't know what happened, but it fell off the bar. It was the, the actual uh, you know, deli part of the bobblehead that snapped off the base. So I said, well, this isn't going to do. They weren't displaying it anymore. So I walked a few blocks away to the, to the hardware store, got some glue, glued that sucker back together, and it was back behind the bar. I always enjoyed it when I came back to Milwaukee, seeing the old deli bobblehead. That was my contribution to Comic Cafe. Uh, very sad. The Camilla, the Camilla burger sandwich, uh, just beautiful. Comment. Uh, I'm very sad. Hopefully, they can bounce back at some point and return because it is a Milwaukee staple. And uh, you know, I'm sure if the listeners spend any time there, there was a fair chance you would have bumped into me at some point there because uh, I was a very frequent guest. But onto today's news, which I think probably surprised me a little bit, although given the way Steve Ballmer has operated with the Clippers, perhaps it shouldn't be a big surprise that he was pretty ruthless in his decision. And that is Doc Rivers being fired as coach of the LA Clippers. Doc was there for seven seasons, 63% winning record uh, with the Clippers as head coach. Quite remarkable that it's 21 straight seasons now that Doc has been a coach in the NBA from Orlando. Then he went to Boston, obviously won that title. And then the Clippers. Now, firstly, uh, there is, it's a great time to be in the market for a head coaching role, particularly for an experienced coach like Doc Rivers and their respected coach. So I have no doubt that he's going to move on to another job somewhere, whether it's Indiana, whether it's Philadelphia, who knows. But I, I am almost certain that he will have a job next year. Took the Clippers to the postseason almost every single year that he was with them. The reason why it's interesting to compare this to the Bucs, because I did see some people tweeting out that, well, the Clippers have uh, made a ruthless decision with one year to go until the guys are free agents. 
They've made this decision to get rid of Doc Rivers. Now, I do want to differentiate the situation that Doc Rivers is in with the Clippers from the Milwaukee Bucks for one reason in particular. Doc has obviously been there for an extended period of time. The organization knows who he is. They understand the situation they're in with Paul George if they continue on with him, with Kawhi Leonard. And the fact that, uh, you know, regardless of what Paul George says, that it wasn't championship or bust. It was championship or bust for the Clippers and they needed to win the title and they failed. So the Clippers have made this swift move, but this isn't, this is very different to the situation with Bud. We spoke about this on the podcast with Frank a few weeks ago, but Mike Budenholz has only been in Milwaukee for two years. The Clippers are a franchise that have been pretty stable with, with Doc Rivers in charge with Steve Ballmer since he's come on board for a number of years now. So it's a different situation to Milwaukee where I think we spoke about the fact that there's been a big culture change within the franchise. It's sort of uh, the front office and the owners chasing stability within the team. I think Mike Budenholzer has done that over the last two years. I think they're similar coaches in a way in that they are players coaches. They do have the respect of players around the league. One of the biggest assets of having Doc Rivers as a coach for the Clippers has been their ability to go from a franchise that would never get the stars no one would ever choose the Clippers over the Lakers. And having Doc Rivers there, I think, has helped get some of those stars over the line. But just comparing that locker room to the Bucks locker room doesn't make much sense to me. We heard from the start of the year that the Clippers were having a lot of trouble. The Montrez Harrell incident earlier in the season where there was uh, some arguments in the locker room, some unrest. That really followed this team right throughout the whole season. They had their ups and downs. They were inconsistent. And really, everyone just gave them the benefit of the doubt because Kawhi Leonard did it a year before with the Toronto Raptors. That was probably a mistake. I mean, it was a mistake in hindsight when you look back. And so the Clippers never really had it together. Now, do I know why uh, or what the cause of the problem was in the locker room? No, I mean, of course I don't. how, How would I know that? But whether this is a decision for the Clippers to move on from Doc, whether Doc had some feelings that I don't want to be around this group again next year, It's just a very unsettled locker room with Doc Rivers and the guys that they have in there right now. So it seems to make sense that they might make this move at this time. Milwaukee, we talk about their their roster and what they might do uh, this offseason a lot, but it's just a very different situation. The Bucs have no problems in the locker room. The guys love each other. The guys love Bud. They're very open about the fact that they want to play for him. You can certainly make the case about the X's and O's part of all this. And this, again, is part of a wider conversation that we've had about Mike Budenholzer. But I think just comparing these two situations together, they're just very different. They're just very different. And the Clippers are a team that something had to change, whether it was the roster, whether it was the coach, something desperately had to change. I don't necessarily feel that that is the case in Milwaukee. And as I've sort of hinted to uh, on regular occasions, I I think that the, the playing group, the roster, the makeup of the guys... Uh, in the starting five, I think is uh, as much to blame for the Bucks' struggles as it is the coaching as well. So uh, I just I just wanted to sort of say that. I don't, I don't know whether there's too much comparison uh, within the situations and uh, I don't think that this is the sign of the Clippers uh, being more, uh, showing more urgency to try and win that title or not. I, I don't necessarily believe that. Uh, I 100% understand why there's some frustration with Bud and why some people might want to move on with him. But I think, again, for that podcast, and you can go back and listen to it if you missed it, the Frank, uh, I think it was called The Conversation About Mike Budenholzer was the name of the episode if you want to go back and listen to that one. But I think we outlined a number of reasons why 
uh, Bud will stay in Milwaukee. I just think the, the position of where the franchise is at uh, very different right now. And uh, it, it makes sense the Clippers would move on and it makes sense to me why the Bucks would not. The other news to come out overnight or during the day yesterday was that Victor Oladipo wants out in Indiana. Now, this is a really, really interesting one to look at. Now, we spoke about Victor Oladipo on one of our mailbag podcasts last week. His name was brought up by one of the listeners as a potential target for the Bucks to trade for. Oladipo has had a really rough couple of years with injury. We know that. Right now, he's 28 years old. He's going to turn 29 uh, potentially next season, depending on when the hell the season actually runs. So certainly still in his prime, but if you look at the games played over the last two years, only played 36 in 2018-19, whether he's still actually an all-star. And then 2019-20 uh, this season, he only managed 19 games. Uh, so it was really hard to get a read on where he was at. He returned uh, just prior to the season really suspending and then there was question marks whether he was going to play, whether he wasn't going to play. He ended up playing. Never really looked great. Only averaged 14.5 points across those 19 games. 31% from the field. 39, uh, 39% from the field. 31% from three-point land. So it was a difficult fit. And Malcolm Brogdon, obviously our old friend, the old Brogdog, was back there as well. And they had to play together. So uh, things never really worked out. I don't think it's a great surprise that Oladipo uh, wants out of Indiana. But nonetheless... It's worth discussing here. So Victor Oladipo uh, is owed $21 million in the 2020-2021 season. He will then be an unrestricted free agent. So there's been a bunch of teams circling there. I know Miami has been one of the teams that has arguably been in the market there. We know the success they've had this season. But with Goran Dragic being a free agent this year, there was some speculation that uh, the Heat might look to get Oladipo down there. But as far as the Bucks go... I probably have had some more time to think about this from where we were at last week when I sort of dismissed the idea. And I think going back to what I said at the start of the podcast in regards to, do I think Chris Middleton can be a, a two or a three, that two A, two B in a championship team? Yes, I do think he can behind Giannis. I think the important thing for this team to have is a point guard that can create off the dribble, whether that's his own shot whether that's distribute to other guys and release some of the pressure on Middleton and Giannis. Oladipo, for that reason, is an interesting fit. Now, I think the, the red flags about his health are known. I, you're not going to get away from that. There would be concerns there. But I think the important thing to note is that if you were able to execute some sort of trade for Victor Oladipo, you wouldn't be committing to him long-term. You would get one year. And this is where it gets interesting from a Bucks point of view because if you're, only, if you're trading for a guy that yeah, quite possibly you're only going to get one year out of, what would you be willing to give up? Now, the $21 million salary, is, it's, it's very gettable. It's, it's very gettable. That is not a hard salary to match in, for trade purposes. The obvious play that you would be trading out in this scenario would be Eric Bledsoe, obviously. And we've spoke about this a lot. Think about this. If you're Indiana, why would you want Eric Bledsoe to team up in the backcourt with the guy that previously played with him in Malcolm Brogdon, a guy that wanted to play the point guard position and got to Indiana and has done so. And we can speak about the season that Brogdon had, but certainly had some extremely good patches where he was a very, very productive player for them at the point guard spot. So I don't think 
that Eric Bledsoe is someone that the Pacers would be interested in at all, particularly with the multi-year salary. So I've seen, and I love the trade machine. Let me just say that. I love the trade machine. And I've seen, uh, I don't use it myself though, but I've seen a bunch of Bucks fans drumming up trades for Oladipo. And I think the important thing to note is that you're probably going to need to get a third team involved here. Now, this is where things can get complicated. But if you wanted to trade for Victor Oladipo, I guess the question I would be asking is, how far would you go as Bucks fans? Considering, again, you may only get one year of Vic, would you give up the 24 pick? Would you give up Dante DiVincenzo? How far are you willing to go for one year of Victor Oladipo? I think that, the, again, the matching salaries uh, put you in a position where you can actually do something and it could be of value. The other question would be, would you trade Brook Lopez? Now, the rumors that have come out later in the day is that Miles Turner is also potentially wanting out of Indiana. I, I think that the the combination of Sabonis and Miles Turner has been an awkward one right from the start. Turner's clearly been disappointing um, for the Pacers. He's been a guy that I think everyone had high hopes for and he just hasn't been able to get to that level. So if Miles Turner walks out the door, I think they would love to play more of Sabonis at the five. He really had a great combination with Brogdon in the pick and roll. So I think that they would want to un- unlock that. For that reason, would they be interested in bringing in Brook Lopez? Uh, maybe not. Probably not. So I just think that, the, the again, the, the players that the Bucks have make things really difficult, and it would get to the point where maybe you would have to attach, yes, that, that first-round pick. Uh, yep, maybe potentially Dante DiVincenzo. Would the Bucks want to go down that path, again, for just one year of Victor Oladipo? I kind of doubt it. Could you organize something with a third team that maybe would have more need for Eric Bledsoe? Uh, yeah, possibly. And I, and I push back on the idea that Bledsoe has no value around the league. You're talking about a guy that was all NBA defensive player the last two years. He's been a guy that has played a, a really high level of basketball. Yes, we know he struggled in the playoffs. But again, if he was in a different situation with different players around him, could he have more success? Uh, it's hard to say. It's hard to say. But I, I do uh, push back on the idea that he has no value. So would you be able to intertwine a third team in that deal and get Vic? Uh, yeah, I'm not sure. I don't think that Victor Oladipo long-term is a guy that you would want to invest in. Would it be worth bringing in Oladipo to to make a run with a Giannis, Chris Milton, Oladipo big three? Potentially. I mean, it's risky. You're banking on him being healthy for the season, but if he, if he is healthy and he gets back close uh, to that level of play that we know we've seen from Vic in the past, uh, it would be exciting. That would be an exciting trail. You talk about a guy that can create for himself with the dribble, can get to the basket according to cleaning the glass. Uh, again, you're going back to that 17-18 season. If he was in the 82nd percentile uh, for finishing at the rim at 67% in that season, he averaged 23 points, five rebounds, four assists, two and a half steals as well, and shot 37% from the three-point line. He was an absolute stud. And if you can get somewhere close to that level and you pair him up with Giannis and Chris Milton and somehow you're able to keep Brook Lopez as well, hell yeah, sign me up for that for a year. That sounds like a team that would be uh, very fun to watch, very entertaining team up and down the floor. So I think that it would be extremely difficult. I don't think there's a realistic path for the Bucks to get Oladipo. But have I softened a little bit on the prospect of potentially running out uh, that trio next season? Yeah, I would say so. But let us know what you think. At Kane Pittman for me on Twitter, at Locked on Bucks uh, as well. Locked on Bucks 
at gmail.com. If you want to send an email through, we've still got some questions trickling through on the mailbag, so we're going to get to those. Frank will be back tomorrow. Big weekend for Frank Madden. Look forward to catching up with him tomorrow. I'm sure he'll have some ideas about the Oladipo stuff. Uh, but uh, keep sending us your feedback, whether you like it or not, whether you think I've just talked absolute rubbish today, let me know. I love that as well. Uh, yeah, quite often, it's the case. So thank you for listening. Stay safe over there. And I'll be back with Frank tomorrow for another episode of Locked On Bucks.